And welcome to We Are The People Radio. This is your host, Jason Preston. And again with my lovely bride, Alexia. What's shaking, baby? Oh, I'm excited for today. How come? Some of our favorite people. You say that every time. Oh, I mean it. I mean it today. <laughs> I like I like, I like, like the feathered 70s hair look. Oh, thank you. Looking good today. Thank you. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, today we're going to find a little show. We're going to be talking about, well, something pretty interesting. Of all the places, of all the places in the country where you'd least expect it, the Bible getting banned in Utah. Mm. Unbelievable. So we're going to be talking about the Bible getting banned. We're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to talk about Utah. Uh, obviously, you know, if you've been watching the show, you notice we focus a lot on Utah. And you say, well, why, why are all the folks in Utah? Because I will tell you one thing, D.C. is lost. I think D.C., the swamp is so thick and it is so bad that I believe we almost have no chance of getting that lined up. And if we are to save the Constitution, that means we've got to go back to the original intent of the Constitution, which means Mm -hmm. the federal government should have little to no impact in our lives. Amen. And that power needs to be held at the state. And so if we're going to get this Constitution back, we need to go back to getting control of our state. So our our message is, hey, stop getting focused on the and lost in the circus and let's start winning our backyard. The only way we win our backyard is by understanding the problems we have. And we have a, we have a massive fight in our hands in Utah. So mm-hmm. uh, that's what we're talking about today is, is, is the Bible. Talk about what's going on in Utah and, and fascinating things around this. So without further ado, uh, well, let's first do this. Make sure you're following us on um, all our socials uh, because YouTube just loves us. So make sure if you're not on Rumble, go to Rumble and follow us on We Are The People UT. And you can follow us on Podbeam, Spotify, Instagram. All of our social media is We Are The People UT. Uh, the only thing that's different is Twitter, which is We Are The UT. So please make sure you're following us. And uh, this episode is, again, brought to you by UVO Commercial and Residential Real Estate. Uh, these guys are absolute patriots. The, they are the reason we're here in the studio. They're the reason we look good. Yeah, so it's true. So it's true. So watch this quick clip. And thank you, UVO. Welcome back. Look at that one, that quick boom. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Alexia, we have your favorites, our favorites. Why don't you introduce them? Yeah, well, you were talking at the beginning of the show about winning your backyard. Yeah. I don't think there is two women that exemplify that any more than the the two we have with us today. We got a couple of rock stars. We got some fighters. Yes, indeed. And we have one who actually just won a seat on the Utah State Board of Education just this last year. Both, yes, both of them ran for office last year. Both, well, I was starting with, with, to my right. Oh, pardon me, pardon me, go go on. segueing. So continue, continue on the journey. So we're on the journey, and we are exploring, as of this last year, we did have a major victory. We didn't have a lot of victories. We did not. We, the red wave got crushed. But we did have one massive, massive victory, and that was Christina Boggess. We've we've had her on the show before, some, one of our, legitimately favorite yeah, guest. You've been on what three or four times. Yeah. Even the old studio where the ceiling falls down. So yes, that was always exciting. <laughs> so I'm glad you stuck with us. Um, so like I said, she just won last, last uh, election cycle, the Utah state board of education. But in case this is your first time meeting Christina, Christina Bogus is a first and foremost, a mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need more of those. She has served for over 21 years in a variety of educational roles and situations. She is a champion for true educational freedom, 
liberty, and constitutional values. So welcome back, Christina. Thank you. She is a, I would say, a Christian warrior fighter. She, I mean, she, she's, she, she is one of these mothers that is uh, single-handedly trying to take down the deep state, and she's doing a pretty damn good job. Thank you. Good to have you here. Thank you. And we'll dig into that a little bit today. Christina actually played a pivotal role in speaking up when the Bible was taken out of, of Davis School District. So we'll play a little bit of that and, and talk about that today. But thank you for standing up when not many did. Thank you. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. And second. Who's second? One of our other favorites. She is. She's <laughs> good. She's good. Another mama bear that stood up for the fight last year. She also ran for office. Alina Erickson. Hey, good to be here. Welcome. You know, I always say, when people ask me about Alina, I say, look, if there is one person I, I would trust with power more than anyone else, it would be Alina. That's true. She's uncor- I believe she's uncorruptible. And I would say that about both these women. So we got a couple of incredible women. It's good to have you guys be here. Hey, thank you. So good to be here. So, so uh, can I give her a little? Oh, uh, I guess I guess you can give her bio, too. I mean, she explains herself. All right. She speaks for herself. But if you don't know Alina, Alina is a wife of 27 years, a mother of six, and a grandmother to two. I know she doesn't Jeez. look nearly old enough to be a grandma. She has been involved in all things liberty. That's actually how we met you, was in our, our freedom quest. Sure. Call it freedom like quest it. in the like state. It. Um, and worked with sheriffs to secure liberty. She's run for house office. She's a devout Christian and a defender of truth, which I believe is your superpower. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> Homeschooled six kids. Yeah. I think that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think it's a massive deal. I think that's, I honestly, I think homeschooling is, is, I, I don't know a better, I don't know what, I don't, I just don't, I, the schools have become so bad that I just believe homeschooling is where we're finding some of our greatest leaders coming out of homeschooled families. So, so what are we going to talk about today? <laughs> well, Alina, why don't you set the stage? Because, you know, we were uh, palling around with you here recently and saying, you know, we need to get together. And you said, you know, we really need to talk about the Bible. Do you want to kind of give us an intro on on uh, why we're talking about this and what your thoughts are? You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that I'm a homeschooler, mother of six, and I would not have been able to homeschool these children without some kind of a foundation, a guideline. And so Christianity and the, the principles within good character. When we talk about raising children, we talk about teaching them right around good and bad, work and play, responsibility, choices. Um, because the ultimate goal is to raise a generation that are good people that know how to contribute well to society. Mm-hmm. But who defines good? Mm. It's an interesting concept. It's not my rules. It's, it's not my law. It's not my genius. There is a higher power, and I think we have to recognize that. And this is such an important conversation because I think America is breaking out in chaos. I don't know an organization, I don't know a corporation that does not have some kind of a structure, policy, values, expectations put into place. And yet we live in a world where people want to remove those. And I think we are seeing the fruit of that, that chaos. I actually happen to be a member of Davis County. (laughs) I know some people might say, wow, everything happens in Davis. It seems to be so, and that's unfortunate. We allegedly have a very strong conservative base, 
And the idea of conservative just gets tossed around. We see it in elections. We see, I saw it when I was campaigning. What is a conservative? Yeah. It is somebody who protects and preserves principles that are eternal. And so where is our guide? It's the Constitution, but where is the Constitution rooted in? Is the principles of the Bible. And so I, th- I think it's a really important conversation to have because we won't save the Constitution. We will not become a better people until we understand that it's a very individual process and that all of us are accountable to a higher power. Um, but with Davis County taking out this, the, the Bible, I had to work that day, so I, <laughs> I couldn't go to the Capitol, unfortunately. But our lovely friend, Christina, she's awesome. And so I would love her to actually talk more about what the logistics are that happened, how that happened, why that happened, because I don't know all those details, but I can, t- I can say later, and we can have conversations of why does the Bible matter and why is it so intertwined in our foundations. I think that's a vital conversation. Awesome. You know, it's interesting, too, and we're going to have Alexia share this, and then we're going to turn over to Christine. You know, but um, we were in Florida early, Jan- early June, and uh, you want to tell them what your experience you had down in Coral Gables? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was actually just as this was all coming to a head, and we were on a street corner, and there was a uh, there was a group of people, and they were. I was overhearing their conversation, and they were talking about the Bible being banned in Utah, and how surprised they were because it's a conservative red state. How could something like this happen in Utah? Yeah, it's it's fascinating. So, Christina, how? Will you please tell our listeners what, what happened? Like, how did this happen? How did, and, and tell us the story. What happened there? Well, I, I think it goes back to um, there's been a battle in our state over pornography. For a long time, we have the depiction of graphic sex acts. It's rampant in our school libraries. It's rampant in instructional materials that are delivered in the classroom. And, and, and this is in Utah This schools. is in Utah It's schools, so funny because yeah. I still come across people all the time that think that it's not happening in our Utah schools. So it's, it's well documented that it's happening in our Utah schools. It's not just school libraries. It's classroom libraries. It's instructional materials. It, it's there. It's okay. there, and it's, not, it's really not debatable at this point. You can say you don't believe, but it's like saying you don't believe in yeah. math. Yeah, it's, there's so many pictures. It's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. We actually had an episode with Aaron Bullen in our old studio, and he actually did a whole deep dive mm-hmm. um, where he yeah. explored, I forget, it was like almost 100 books that he took out, mm-hmm. and he made excerpts of everything, and the stuff was straight up vulgar. It is vulgar, yeah, and, and it's... It's everything from how to manipulate your superiors with um, sexual intimacy to how to please yourself, how to please other people. It's it's very graphic um, in its content. So it's it's it, it, the as the Bible has been taken out, we, we're looking at a deeper issue. But that's what spurred it on is um, an anonymous constituent in the Davis County School System filed a complaint against the Bible stating that it was um, pervasively pornographic and it needed removed. And it got shipped off to an anonymous committee um, that no one will release their names. Apparently that's a part of their policy. A little bit un-American if you think about it at its its root. You know, the core uh, value there is violated that it's an anonymous committee, but an anonymous complainant filed a complaint against the Bible claiming it was pornographic and violated what we call the 1227 Brightline Rule. 
Um, the committee that took it up took it up and determined that it did not violate um, Utah Code 76-10-1227-2C. And um, as a matter of fact, they had determined that it didn't violate any of the provisions of what we have come to know as HB 374. So wait, really quickly, was there a specific reference, like a, a certain chapter or, or section that they referenced as being pornographic? Because uh, Song of Solomon's. Uh, yeah, so you've got Ezekiel twenty twenty three, I believe, or twenty three twenty, um, right in there, uh, where the Lord is chastising Israel, and um, he makes some comparisons that are, uh, I mean, they're graphic. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I think an adult would know what you were talking about. Um, the King James version does have a little bit what we would call more potent verbiage than your your more modern translations, but they also use the word pitiless. <laughs> there too so the, the king james version out of like the the 1800s is not quite the same as it is today um a lot of times there's reference made to um lot and his daughters and their uh, vulgar activity when they wanted to carry on the family line and produce the moabite nation and and things like that um there were a few references uh, but i don't i don't have access to that as like a receipt that's just mm-hmm. what has come out in the press um, so there were some references, and, and this committee said, well, you know, all of these references actually don't violate this bright line rule. Um, they said that it didn't violate 374, it didn't violate 1227-2C, and um, then they decided that it was pervasively vulgar and extremely violent, and thus proceeded to remove it from the libraries of all elementary and middle schools. They did leave it in the high schools, but they did remove it from those and um, and then there was this ongoing media frenzy, if you will, where people uh, said a lot of things that weren't necessarily accurate, right? Because they were like, oh, it's this, it got removed for its pornographic content. It did not get removed for pornographic content. They, they, they reviewed it for that, and they said it does not violate the Bright Line rules. So. It's interesting because you see they're not pull. It feels like it's like people are begging to get these the, – true pornographic books out and we can't get those pulled out yet mm-hmm. they were successful in get pulling the bible out and yet this week this is just uh, mm-hmm. out of the uk um th- there was something being exposed about 12 year olds being taught about anal sex in school while nine-year-olds are being told to masturbate for homework um and this is what's going on in the uk this was just on mail online there was a there was a bunch Crazy, of right? of news on this this week so why and, and not to digress from too much, but why why is there such a push for sexualizing kids, but yet the only type of recourse is, hey, let's ban the Bible? Uh, so I think the, the push to sexualize children can be, <laughs> I mean, it's old. It's really old. I think it's Kinsley is his name, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. And um, he was the one that did all the research about children five months old being able to climax to orgasm. And a five-month-old being able to climax only does that one way, and it's through sexual assault. And so he did a a study, and I'll get you his name so that I don't um, misspeak. But that it goes back, and it's rooted there. And then the goal of sexualizing children, uh, I would say, is manifold. One, it's in the Communist Manifesto. It's in the Marxist Manifesto. And then ultimately, um, it's mandated through the UN. And so their CSE, their Comprehensive Sexuality Education, um, CECUS is the, the big uh, organization here in the States, and they actually um, praise Utah and a couple of our legislators for all the good work that they've done <laughs> engaging in CSE in our state and passing pivotal laws 
to allow for comprehensive sex ed in our state. So this is what I have a hard time with, you know, so the UN is behind pushing the sexualizing the children. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm going to interrupt you, not just yeah. the UN. Go ahead. Like, like it is clearly written in the communist manifesto. One of the ways you, you take over in a communist strategy is to sexualize the children. Why? These are good questions. I think it, um, when you are addicted in that capacity and you become numb, right? We know that, that purity is a special thing. We know that it's biblical. And we know that when we impress upon our spouse, we live fruitful, happy, married lives. And, and when we violate that, our lives erupt into chaos and then we become numb. And there's lots of research out there in, in family therapy and sciences. And maybe Alina can comment a little bit yeah, on I'd that. Yeah, I'd like to know your thoughts on that too. But why? why go, go well, when, when you desensitize a child sexually where it means nothing, they're very easy to control, very easy to control. And there's, there's data and research what happened during the revolution in Russia, what happened in Mao's China. The, the history speaks for itself. And it, it, it's just one of the planks of the two manifestos. And it's, it, we're well down that path in America. Very good. Lena, what are your thoughts well on that? Said. Well said. Because again, this, there's, I mean, it's become clear. There, there is a, an agenda to sexualize our children. The, the, the drag shows going on. I mean, it is like everything that, that what's going on in the cartoons, what's going on with the schools. I mean, there is a there is a real, true drive to sexualize our children. What what are your thoughts on that? Why are they doing this? Well, I would come from the angle also of trauma. So, I mean, I agree with everything you said. But when a child experiences something they are not mature enough to handle, that creates trauma. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I would I would also add. I mean, that's one of the more popular. Unfortunately, the bigger things I treat is trauma in my therapy. Um, but I think even more and more, I've thought a lot about what love is love really means. Mm-hmm. We always knew God to be love. Mm-hmm. Who, who's the author of love? <laughs> when you mm-hmm. say love is love, the problem with that statement is it's ambiguous. You become the author of it. There is nothing higher than you but you. And that's the problem with that. How do we teach our children to be stewards of themselves and of their neighbors when they're going to fall under what I spoke about earlier and just talk about and just fall into a chaotic society? You said something interesting earlier about what is good. And I think this falls into a much bigger thing. What is truth? Because it feels like we're living in a time where truth is being redefined and objectified. I mean, of course, women, we've talked about that a little Mm -hmm. bit offline about women being objectified. But when you can redefine truth, then you open Pandora's box for what is a woman, what is acceptable, what is socially acceptable, what can be taught. And that's what we're living in a state of of not just understanding what is good and what is bad, but what is true Mm -hmm. and what is right. Yeah, Yeah, and I think it's an important thing to know is it's, you know, we are, there is a war being waged on this country and our constitution mm-hmm. and on our national sovereignty and in a time where the, the UN is gaining more and more influence and including here in Utah, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about that. The UN, the only place the UN ever meets outside of New York and America is, is Utah. And you know, the UN is an organization that is, that is godless and believes that the ultimate authority is not God. It is the state and that the people are not, heirs and divi- have divine worth, but just groups that need to be, uh, you know, struggling for power against each other. But it's, uh, to me, it's another reason that we need to be fighting against the UN's involvement here in Utah mm-hmm. at all cost. But, um, and I think the other thing is you sexualize a child. 
abused people abuse. Yes. Yes. And you want to destroy a family, you start by a, a destroying a child sexually because that child will become sexually per, per, permissive. What is it? Promiscuous. Promiscuous. And, and that makes it very hard to have stable relationships and you destroy the family for generations when you can destroy a child. So it's, it, I think this is absolutely Marxist and it is absolutely evil. So go, I, so I go knew, on with what you're saying. Well, I, I would, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say it goes a lot deeper and darker. If, if you even touch on the ritualistic stuff, the really deep under dark underbelly, it all starts with the children. Yeah. 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 Sorry, yeah. Christine. So, so no, go on. So you're talking about the Bible. Oh, so the Bible. So it, it, is pulled because it's uh, pervasively vulgar and violent. And uh, again, we're with an anonymous committee. And uh, this ruling comes out, as best I recall, on a Thursday. And uh, by next Wednesday, we are at the Capitol. Um, the press conference was called, and it was just a very interesting thing. I believe it was on June 7. And um, there was a lot of press after that. A lot of it was very... Um, False. We'll just say that. It was false. It wasn't just misleading. It was outright false. Uh, Utah Press? False? (laughs) Can you give us an example? Uh, Well, for example, there was one article that came out and it said, all these people are advocating for the Bible to be taught in schools. I I don't recall one person that spoke there that day (laughs) that said, hey, our math proficiency rate is 44%. We want good spiritual teaching. Let's give it to the, the public school system. Nobody said that. What we said was that the Bible has value for our community. We are a community of faith. We have um, a predominant faith in that state, that this state, that's not a secret to anybody. Um, and that predominant faith, one of their, their core books is the Bible. The evangelical community um, uses the Bible. The Catholic community uses the Bible. Western the, civilization is founded on the Bible. Western civilization is founded on the Bible. So true. And um, the, the Jewish community, the Old Testament, is, it is their book. It Consti- is their book. The Constitution is rooted mm-hmm. in the Bible. It is rooted in the Bible. In fact, the Declaration yeah. is rooted in the Bible. Yes. Whit- Whitfield, I believe it was, or maybe Whitfield, yeah. He, um, you see his writings pre-Declaration, Claire back, Claire back in like, I, I think, you know, we might have to cut this, right? <laughs> but I think it's Claire back in um, 1716, he starts writing. And no, it's John Wise. John Wise starts writing. And he produces all these sermons. And if you get a copy of the, the writings of John Wise, he's quoted in the Declaration wow. multiple times. And so this was a teaching. It was a revival, if you will, an American revival of the Christian faith. And he goes around and he's teaching, he's teaching, he's teaching, he's teaching. And then we come to the Declaration. And the original Declaration is like four pages long. I got to hold it in my hand just the other day. Oh, it was wow. super cool. Wow. And um, the, it was I think it was the first draft. But regardless, it's... It's a beautiful document. Um, over a third of it is uh, devoted to denouncing slavery, that they wanted to right. to disconnect because of slavery. Obviously, in the final draft of the, the declaration, they could not to get everyone gain together. the votes yeah. of, I believe it was Georgia and South Carolina. They just refused to get on board. And we know that there were a lot of bigoted people in that time, and it just was what it was. But um, the declaration was sent forth, and the writings of John Wise are quoted in that. And so it, it is the foundation of Western civilization as we know it. And we, we saw a rogue committee that was anonymous that set out to get rid of it. Um, I don't know what their purpose it was. But, but don't you find it interesting that this didn't happen in California or New York or going to happen in Utah? Well, in the anonymous, come on, who, who are these people? They're anonymous. <laughs> I know. How do we know they even exist? 
how do we know this? How do we know this even really happened? How do we know an individual came and challenged that? Like, I just question everything. So, I think that's a good way to be a critical thinker, right? Is to question. I yeah. might be a conspiracy theorist. Domestic terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even I have better. a support so, group. We meet Friday nights at 7. Oh, so, okay, good to So know. we had this big press conference at the Capitol. Who were the notable people that did show up? And who are the notable, notable people that didn't show up? So um, Ken Ivory was the sponsor of HB 374. He ran a follow-up bill in the next legislative cycle. So he, he was there. He was the keynote speaker. Um, there shout out to Ken Ivory. Ca- shout out to Ken Ivory. He, he's, he's been behind some good things. He, he has taken up this, this cause, and, and I, he will probably die on this hill because he ch- has championed it, and he's championed it with integrity and passion and with truth, and you can't ask for better than that. Um, and, and he's refusing to give it up. And so prayers for him. If you're, if you're praying people watching this show, pray for, for representative ivory, because he needs, um, he needs your prayers as, as he faces, not just what we would call establishment politicians, but the forces of, of darkness in Ephesians six, it talks about the spiritual forces that are out there. And when you seek to do righteous deeds, they come out on mass. So, um, Ken was the keynote, uh, Senator John Johnson was the MC for the day. There were four preachers, um, all from evangelical churches, interestingly enough. Um, one Berean, three Baptist, if I recall correctly, and they spoke. And then I, I did speak. I got the opportunity to speak, which was an honor. Um, and then uh, a parent from the Javis School District spoke, and uh, and it was over. So was, was Bramble there, too? I, heard, I, th- I thought I heard Bramble gave a, a speech. So Bramble was present in the administrative rules hearing. He oh. was, uh, I don't believe he was present at the press conference. You can prove me wrong okay. if you want to, but no, I, I, I don't believe be he was there. Stuff up. C- can, we, uh, <laughs> can we hear your speech? Oh, absolutely. There's a, a recording of it. If, um, if y'all want to play it, that's, yeah, that's let's, fine. Let's uh, go ahead and play it here for a second. Okay. <clears throat> You know what, go ahead and actually play it, because they'll, they'll pull the whole thing in, but let's play it. That way I, I want to hear it when you talk about it. Okay, here you go. By the way, I got this from several people. They're like, you should have to hear this. Good day, everybody. I'm super excited to be here today. I love the beautiful faces, but I love that our young people have brought their Bibles. Could you all put them in the air for me, please? Thank you. So I would offer today that when the seminal text of the American founding is removed from schools, we have reached a whole new level in definition of un-American. The core issue that brings us here today ultimately creates an elephant in the room. And so I want you to recall with me the delegates to the 1787 Constitutional Convention established their new government upon the traditional biblical values of the founding generations which were later articulated in 1796 by George Washington in his farewell address when he said that virtue or morality is a necessary spring of popular government. The founders of America believed in the Holy Scriptures and they believed so much so that an act of Congress sanctioned the publication of the Bible for its installation into all schools as a tool of instruction. The Bible brings hope It brings peace, it brings healing and adventure. It also brings admonishment, conviction, and restoration. The Holy Scriptures remind us that our pain is a prescription, not a poison, and that each seed must actually break before it blooms. 
And my favorite is that our scriptures remind us that Jesus loved the lilies. And I want to remind us today that all scripture is breathed by God. All scripture is profitable for instruction, for conviction, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. I would also like to remind us that there is no good without God and no good outside of God. That's incredible. The word of God is a sword. The Hebrew writer says that God's word is living and active and full of power. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and of the spirit and of both joints and marrow, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of our hearts, and that there is not a creature that exists that is concealed from his sight, but all things, yes, all things through scripture are open and exposed and revealed to the eyes of him with whom we have to give an account. And as we stand in this building today, I must admit that one of the things I love most about the, the legislative chambers in this building is um, the quasi-transparent ceilings reminding us that God, Yahweh himself, is watching us here today. And that one day, one day will come when each of us will stand before Yahweh himself and we will account for our actions. And I pray that every one of us will remember these truths today and in the days to come. Thank you. Wow. So powerful. Wow. That was amazing. Thank you. That must have been a pretty powerful moment for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm. I, I'm sure you must have felt very uh, directed and inspired. Uh, inspired. Is it, uh, that definitely was an inspired speech? Yeah, I would say directed and inspired is true. Yeah. yeah. What stuck out to you there? That's amazing. Everything. That's why I love you. You're <laughs> such a fighter and a, a defender of truth yourself. It's an. It's absolutely incredible. But it brings, I think, um, some of the essentials of why the Bible matters. I think you touched on some really important things. Federalist Papers 51 is one of mm -hmm. my favorite. If men were angels, we would not have a need for government. Mm -hmm. And so we have to understand as we're talking about government, government exists to keep men in line to be good. Mm -hmm. And so it goes then again, you know, what is self-government? It's a government of the people by the people. But how do we... How do we form a republic without having a foundation of the people who understand what it means to be good? Mm -hmm. And some people would subscribe to the idea of, well, I don't want religion pushed down. We're not talking about religion, but I think we all can agree on values. Natural uh, law. Natural law. We don't, we don't want to take, take from others what doesn't belong. We shouldn't be so jealous that we hate somebody. We should have honor towards our parents. We should love our neighbors. All of those things produce happiness, prosperity. And in 1608, I, every year I would read to my children from this book, and it was a simplified version of the um, Pilgrim's Progress. Of the, in 1608, they left England because they were being so persecuted. They were not allowed to have their own individual worship services. Many of those fathers were incarcerated. Women and children had to escape. They had to take shifts in leaving and fleeing over to Holland. 
Well, they stayed in Holland long enough to realize our children are losing our culture. They're becoming Dutch. And even though they loved the Dutch, they wanted to maintain their culture. And so in 1620, they left. But when they did, they formed the Mayflower Compact. And the Mayflower Compact, I want to read some of that. Yeah, please. We whose names are underwritten, I'm just going to paraphrase, having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, do by these present solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and of one another covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic. This was the very foundation of the Declaration of Independence. What's incredible to me is that God needed a biblical people who were rooted in truth to write the Declaration of Independence, to write the Constitution, to have the fortitude to create the most incredible country and be a light on a hill. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many things, when we talk about the 5,000-year leap, right? How many things have we been able to invent, create, and be a leader and a light on a hill because we've had freedom and we abided by the principles of freedom? But what's interesting is in 1963... Can I I back up for you? Yeah. So the Mayflower Compact, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first time we really see Exodus come into civil government, if you will. So... Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? uh, It's the first time, I think, historically, you know, the Magna Carta is pushing some of these principles of freedom. We have this undercurrent, this deep current set that has kind of forced its way in and uh, interwoven itself into European politics. And in the Mayflower Compact, we see this Moses-Aaron thing. Mm -hmm. This is the church, and this is civil government. And God erected that and really set that example in Exodus when he said, you will lead them spiritually, and you will lead them civilly. And those things were not to really, to really overlap. And so that's, I think, the first time we see it in American government, but the first time we see it in civil government ever, unless I'm wrong, because, you know, I could be wrong. There could be some obscure example out there, but I think this is the first time we ever see that um, example in Exodus manifest itself in real time. Well Very said. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you said that. But in 1963, we had... Uh, the prayer ban. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, um, let's, uh, so, so hold on, hold on. It was the Bible ban, the Bible ban. But um, this was the a case against Abington School District versus Shempt, and um, this took the Bible out of public schools. So, what's interesting is I, I brought some things to kind of show. Um, this comes from the American. Um, foundation let's see the foundation of american christian education and it's the bible and the constitution of the united states of america it talks about how it's intertwined and what's really what's excellent in here is there's a picture of ronald reagan as he signs in 1982 a law in 1983 to have the year of the bible and i want to mention a few things that he said in here of the any influences that have shaped the United States of America into a distinctive nation and people, none may be said to be more fundamental and enduring than the Bible. Deep religious beliefs stemming from the Old and New Testaments of the Bible inspired many of the early settlers of our country, providing them with the strength, character, convictions, and faith necessary to withstand great hardships and danger in this new and rugged land. These shared beliefs helped forge a sense of common purpose among the widely dispersed colonies, a sense of community, which laid the foundation for the spirit of nationhood that was to develop in the later decades. 
The Bible and its teachings helped form the basis for the Founding Fathers' abiding belief in the inalienable rights of the individual, rights which they found implicit in the Bible's teachings of the inherent worth and dignity of each individual. The same sense of man patterned in the convictions of those who framed the English system of law inherited by our own nation, as well as the ideas set forth in the Declaration of Independence and Constitution. What's incredible is he also made into law, and that was right from the law, the statement um, from Ronald Reagan. But also in 1983, they signed into law May 5th as kind of a national holiday to have a day of prayer. And he noted that in 1783, after the Treaty of Paris, sorry, they um, recognized that they were totally reliant on God for that and that they needed to have a day of prayer that would bring them together and unify them. Um, and this went on for almost half a century. But it's interesting that Lincoln, Lincoln had to bring it back during the Civil War because the prosperity and the complacency hold upon the people and he said intoxicated with unbroken success we have become too self-sufficient for the to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace too proud to pray to the god that made us mm. um, and so moving on back to reagan from general washington's struggle at valley forge to the present this nation fervently sought and received divine guidance as it pursued the course of history the occasion provides our nation with an opportunity to further recognize the source of our blessings and to seek his help for the challenges we face today and in the future. And I would argue that without that recognition, we become lost in and of itself. By nature, we need leadership. And who better to lead than the creator himself? I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts? <clears throat> One of the thoughts that keeps popping in my mind is, is the quote... I don't know if it was John Adams or Thomas Jefferson that the, that the Constitution was written for a moral and, and religious people mm -hmm. and is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. You know, we went from a nation that our education system was founded and grounded in the Bible to a, po a point where in Utah we're banning the Bible. And I just think, you know, you look at the moral collapse of this country and it's happening in our state. You see, you know, litter boxes in schools for kids that think they're for a reason. You know, we're, we're willing to affirm if a, if a boy thinks he's a girl, we're, we're willing to affirm the lie and not only affirm the lie, but also mutilate the child over it. Um, <clears throat> I just, you know, would love to see Utah stop leading this progressive charge and stand up and say, no, in this state, like what we saw, of, you know, Ronald Reagan do, in this state, we're going to go back to a point of teaching the Bible. Wouldn't that be powerful if, if our state could say, no, no, we're going to bring back the Bible and we're going to, and we're going to, and we're going to bring back teaching, teachings in the, in, like the, the teachings from the Bible and bring it back. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you, Jason. Sure. Sure. Why? <laughs> um, because I think that the teaching of the scriptures is sacred mm. and I don't think um, that we should just hand that off to any Tom, Dick or Harry. Um, and I think we have a, a culture in Utah that is very hostile to the scriptures. I think it's hostile to the faith. I think it's hostile to God himself. Um, we have an entire movement in this state. I don't know if you saw the unbaptism ceremonies that, that went oh, up and down yeah, the state the satanic last stuff. year and this year. Mm -hmm. And um, and many of the people who are engaged in those um, 
those activist activities that buck the system, they work in and among our public schools. Yeah. And so, so I you don't think we're too far gone. And if they were, if something like that would just push sacrilegium, sacrilegium. Uh, I think we would see, um, heresy left, right, and center, and nothing is going to ship a child down to the gates of hell faster than heresy because truth is, is very defined in scripture. It's very real. And, um, it's not nuanced, but people claim that it's nuanced. And, you know, the narrow and wide gates in, in the book of Matthew are very, very real. It says, you know, very few will enter here, and wide are the gates that lead to destruction. And so I, I don't think that we should um, subcontract the teaching of the scriptures to um, the system that has failed our children in so many other areas. I and, think, the, and that is evil to the core. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think that, um, you know, ultimately God calls us to disciple our children. I think that teaching the scriptures is first and foremost the job of the parent. And, um, and if they are going to subcontract, they should subcontract to the church. Mm. That, is, that is my opinion. Now, I do not agree that the Bible should be removed from schools, but I, I would not champion in any way, shape, or form that we should delegate the teaching of morality to the public Because it used to be the, ch- the schools used to be grounded in, in the Bible. Is that right? Well, and I'll, I'll show you a few examples. What's, what's, but truth is truth. I mean, whether we like it or not, we have policies and rules in place in education that teach people how to respect other people's like you can't steal you can't take somebody's property right mm-hmm. you can't bully which part of bullying would be uh, falsely accusing so whether truth is truth but i would add i agree with christina because i would add what hasn't education ruined hmm. i mean if we're going to talk about sex what did they do to pervert that if we're going to talk about math, what have they done to math? And here's, here's what's interesting. Having educated my children at home, there's always the why am I learning this? Sometimes when I sit with clients, one of the most powerful spiritual questions I can ask them is what do you think your purpose is? If you have your own DNA, if you have your own fingerprint out of the millions, billions of people, then what were you sent here for? Mm. What do you okay. feel inclined to do? And so purpose is incredible. I have here 1824. Noah's, Noah Webster's original blueback uh, speller. This is an original copy of 1874 of grammar. And I taught from my kids these, but I, wanna sh- I just want to show you guys this. Industry leads to prosperity. So this is all part of grammar and forming sentences, understanding penmanship, so understanding this was, English. So th- this was like old textbooks? Yeah, this is an old textbook. Okay, so, so give yeah. us an example of what used to be taught. <laughs> I love, I'm actually very okay. curious here. Okay, so as they were forming sentences, industry leads to prosperity. Honesty is the best policy. Knowledge strengthens the mind. Many men and women and children live in cities. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. We shall obtain information if we study diligently. This is good. Beauty very uh, frequently injures the possessor of it. Say that again. Beauty very frequently injures the possessor of it. Wow. Be careful, baby. The industry (laughs) (laughs) said... I feel attacked again. (laughs) (laughs) The industrious man labors in the duty and rests in night. When people find their purpose, they also adhere to duty. They understand where they're going. Um, I mean, just book after book. So, 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 so what year was this? 
This is 1874. So I, what you're talking and all I can think about is uh, Lisa Logan. She posted on Twitter uh, this insane clip. It was to the Department of Education, I believe. You can find her Twitter. I am Lisa Logan. Yeah, I was talking about Title IX being weaponized. Sorry, and I know this might be a segue, but oh, I swear. Hey, no, no, this, this, is, this, is, yeah. this is the contrast. Yes. Pl- play it. Play, so, play the actual, play it here. Because okay, this well, is insane. So, so this is Higher Ground, Utah. Higher ground UT. Title IX is being uh, weaponized against students and used to punish wrong speak that doesn't conform to the LGBT agenda. So you're talking about bullying. You're talking about the education system. You're looking what they're being taught. This is what's being taught now and being presented to the Department of Education. She's reporting. She says he he dead 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 name dead, dead name dead name me, which like is misgendering. misgendered. And we'll so this ki- so t- Title Nine now, if you misgender someone, that is, I mean, they're now it's, saying it's it's bullying, it's, it's harassment, bullying. it's harassment. Yeah, inclusive so to not and call non-discriminatory discriminatory school environments for LGBTQ plus students. This is the this is what the 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 presentation was. The U.S. Department of Education cordially invites you to f- uh, to free to learn, creating inclusive and non-discriminatory school environments for LGBTQ plus students on Wednesday, the twenty-first. Um, and then, so this is basically the Department of Education. This is where she's presenting, is at the Department of Education. So this this young person, if I recall correctly, this is actually a young boy who no. who believes he's a girl, right? I don't know, but what we do know is. Someone, someone on the bus, Probably. and multiple times people have misgendered the kid. He, him, her, they. Misge- and, and she's going to the principal, and, and the kids are getting busted, putting in detention. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, Which is the definition of coerced speech, which is a violation right. of the First, First Amendment. Amendment. So, so, when I, so and I, and I, thank you for the contrast, Lexi, because, you know, I listened to what they're teaching in 1870. Yeah. Or was it? Well, and this is the, Mag- yeah, show the us, McGuffey let's, let's take another pa- trip to the past. <laughs> so can we, to our foundation, can we yeah. stick here for just one second yeah. and then yeah. and then contrast? Sure. I, I would love to just talk about how the number of Title IX investigators, because they have weaponized Title IX, and they've got what are called guidelines. Um, to the best of my knowledge, they haven't actually changed the text of Title IX. They've instituted a series of guidelines, and those guidelines have the expectation of implementation throughout 
United States school systems. And um, many, many school systems are increasing their Title IX investigators from one to like six or seven because these new guidelines are going to have such a massive effect of coerced speech. And if you don't comply with the coerced speech, then you, you will be charged with sexual harassment under the code. And then the, the internal investigation and the anonymity, which again is a violation of all things American, you know, the right to face your accuser, the right to question your accuser, the right to cross-examine, all of those things are just kind of being pushed to the side and this Title IX is coming up. In fact, next Tuesday, the, the Utah State Board of Education is hosting a training in American Fork to train um, all these newly hired investigation people um, with the new guidelines in Title IX. And, and they will be going out into your children's schools yes, and implementing this type of draconian... Well, I, I don't know that they're implementing that, but they're going to be implementing something according to the new Title IX guidelines. It makes me think of weaponizing the IRS to go yeah. against American citizens, and now you're weaponizing. So you're so you you have a son or a daughter, and, and mm -hmm. they refuse to play the pronoun games, mm -hmm. and now they are uh, now they're now they're bullying, and they get in trouble for that. Yep. Fascinating. All right, let's well, let's let's go we, back to our foundation. Yeah, one? yeah, go go go. What you got? <laughs> the number one app in this state used to report bullying allows for anonymous reports. Oh, that's just beautiful. What's what's the app? It's called Safe UT. Oh yeah, I feel so safe. Oh. Yeah, report <laughs> yeah. your parents. No one will know. Can you, you did report it. your parents? I'm sure they're uh, getting yes, that. I'm sure you can. Yeah, yeah. I it's, mean, this is so Stalin-esque. It, it's ridiculous. I think we need to go back to just the basic civil liberties and the violation of the civil liberties that that come down to that come in conflict with some of the methodology that we're seeing here because our, our civil liberties are being violated and our children's civil liberties are being violated. Yeah. Um, there's time after time after time, I, I just go, what, you didn't do anything wrong, sweetie. You didn't do anything wrong. You are more than welcome to believe what you believe in this nation. And, yeah. and we need to continue to assert that. Let's go back That's to our right. foundation. No, so sorry. Right. I, love no, no, I love it. This is why we're here, right? <laughs> well, it, just in short, these uh, readers are incredible. And they, they took, I mean, when you think about the Founding Fathers, when you think about some of the most intelligent people, they followed these patterns. These readers, they weren't, I, I remember the contrast when I pulled my old, oldest and felt prompted to pull her out of kindergarten. There was those stupid I am, Sam, Sam, I am books, right? And there was just pointless. But these, they start teaching you very quickly what is rashness, what is idleness. Do you have an example? Um, I don't have, I mean, uh, it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like four pages, four or five pages, mm. so I, I wouldn't have time to read it all. But, but it teaches lessons based on, on moral truths. Right. right? That's, that was the foundation is we're going to teach a lesson, but we're going to couch it in a story it also teaches morality. Right. So children were, who are impressionable are understanding, wow, if I act out of anger, out of quickness, rashness, then I could have consequences. Like something bad could happen. Idleness or alcoholism is talked about a lot in these books and how drinking and, and being um, um, not industrious, um, it, it has its consequences. So but here's what's interesting couple more quotes I have for you. Yeah. Where do we begin to restore the roots of our tree of liberty? We begin with the American individual. We begin with the basic institutions of home, church, education. I'm going to take out school. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, maybe you need to make your own school, business, 
We as a people must return to the Holy Bible as our American political, economic, social, and educational civic textbook. And then as Robert C. Winthrop said, all societies of men must be governed in some way or another. The less they rely on public law or physical force, remember government is force, the more they must rely on private moral restraint. In short, men must be controlled by a power within or a power without. I love that. So, you know, children... And, that, and that's yeah. the problem. If, if in, in, that last, in that last quote, in short, all men must be controlled either by a power within or, with, or by a power without. And I think that's the problem. If we do not learn to govern ourselves, we will, we, we will end up having a, a master to govern us. And are we so arrogant to believe that we can govern ourselves without some kind of higher direction? Right. I wouldn't want to assume that highly, uh, you know, that high of myself to do that. But I think it's it's antithetical to the gospel. Yeah, it is. It creates narcissism, right? So yeah, I, I would like to, to maybe engage in a little spirited discourse. I do think we have to be cautious. Um, you know, we don't sacrifice the truth of our founding. The, the truth of our founding is that the the Puritans and the Quakers and the Pilgrims did come. They did engage in in righteous civil government. Um, the people in Jamestown, they had a lot more problems, right? <laughs> and we need to acknowledge that. Like, it, it's yeah. just a reality. Those are, are two, um, maybe we would call one group Bible-believing Christians and the other group Bible-professing Christians, where, where how they lived didn't reconcile with what they said, uh, perhaps. But I think we need to be cautious in this day and state, day and state of America that though we don't neglect the truth of the founding and we don't neglect the truth of our faith and, and the purity of our faith, we have to be careful not to coerce the speech of other people who do believe differently from us. And, and in particular, I'm thinking um, students who um, subscribe to the Islamic tradition. There's a lot that we have in common, and I think when we come to a place of unity, we come from where we, we believe in common. And, um, and we don't want to coerce the speech of anyone else because liberty belongs to everybody. Right. And so um, I think we need to ensure the truth of our founding and the truth of American history and all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like, Wilson was a bad president. Let's just own it, right? Andrew Jackson, he was a goober, dude. Let's just own it. Let's just own the good, the bad, and the ugly. But let's start with with where we were and where we came from, and that was most definitely a biblical foundation. Well, and how do we, how do we best learn? I mean, that's the most powerful thing that I understood when teaching my children was when you study, and even for myself, when you study great people, mm -hmm. when you are faced with the same kind of trial and the same kind of challenge, you remember that greatness. You remember the, the characters and the stories that you read. And so if we aren't giving our children something, they're left to their own devices. But, and I would agree, we shouldn't subscribe, you know, separation of church and state, right? <clears throat> but perhaps we need to go back to five, ten minutes of, of a quiet moment where people can, what are your thoughts on that? Christina? I mean, we've, a, gone a so we've gone so far to the extreme, <clears throat> though, that it's, that, that's my concern. You know, we've, I mean, separation of church and state has also been completely miscued. It, yeah, I mean, the, yeah. I think people don't understand what that is. Is we don't we don't believe in theocracies. Mm -hmm. That's what the church and state is. We don't want a state-run religion. Right? Isn't yes. that right. what Utah started as? Utah actually did start as a theocracy. Yes, they they were a theocracy actually uh, before they rejoined the United States. But as a, as the Constitution, we do not want a theocracy, a state religion. 
and uh, but we do believe in in the freedom of religion and the and the and those principles. I mean, they started they started their meetings with prayers. Yes. They st- I mean, they st- this like I say, most of our original text for that this country is found upon were were rooted in biblical in the in the scriptures in the Absolutely. Bible. Absolutely, church services so, were held at the Capitol yes, building itself. Yes, until so this whole thing that that that, yeah. that, that, that there cannot be a mixture of religion in our in our in our uh, prince in our government is i mean the 10 commandments is absolutely farce what we don't want is the church command the government command say this is what you will believe and that's very different yeah Yeah. or this and that's what we actually have now is we have a state religion which is wokeism Mm -hmm. i mean we actually have moved and we are moving into a theocracy of wokeism and that's my concern is we've moved the far extreme of pushing out any biblical principles any religious moral that anything of moral value and instead we're replacing it with with wokeism which is a religion so i think moving back the other way as much as we can is a very good thing and again it's not pushing a religion but it's pushing morals values principles we need we need much more the kids learning morals values and principles that's what we're lacking and what she read to us those are those are those are not religious tenets that was they're being taught in that book those are principles and morals and values and those are universal i mean that goes to natural law which this country was founded upon because the expectation in education was excellence in all things guided by a good character so yeah and that's what we lack character so we're we're running short on time i would like to hear your final thoughts and then i want to hear uh, both of your final thoughts you know you each have a couple minutes to share your your final thoughts on the bible being banned um and on what happened and well, I think uh, the... Where do we go from here? Yeah, what are your final thoughts? The first thing I'd like to share is the appeal um, did happen. It was heard and it was overturned. So the Bible has been returned to schools in, in the Davis School District, to libraries in particular. Um, I think that uh, we need to remember just a couple things um, that the American founders understood that for their system of government to endure... Um, a Republican people must share a large measure of commonality in manners, custom, language, and dedication to the common good. And that we cannot forget that because if we are to thrive and survive as a nation, we must come to a place of unity. And by doing that, we focus on what we have in common and not that which divides us. And so until we resolve to focus on that which unites, and if you look at the faith traditions from across the globe that have all come to America um, seeking religious freedom, we have a lot in common, a lot in common, even though uh, we often will find ourselves with different gods. There are a lot of things that overlap and interweave that we can find in common. Which is why I love that this, this nation was founded on natural law. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. and, and that is what we all have in common. Principles that are true regardless. That I don't need a church to tell me it's right to be honest. Yes. It's right to be kind. Mm-hmm. You know, adultery. Killing is wrong. Stealing is wrong. Those are those are that is those are principles of natural law that ever that any healthy society that values freedom is built upon. Yeah, absolutely. I think even property, association, self defense, liberty. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think those would all even accumulation and profit would be would be a natural law. I think the last thing that I would say is that um, a people that cannot publicly express their opinions, exchange ideas, or openly argue about the course of its government without fear of repercussion is fundamentally not free. And so I would argue that we are facing an America that is not free. 
And that is one of my biggest concerns. And I think we need to say it out loud. And I think we need to say it forcefully. We live in an America that is not free. If someone is going to spray paint my house because of what I say on this show today, America is not free. If they are going to attack my children or my parents or you or you, America is not free. That if we can't engage in spirited, spirited civil discourse, America is not free. And that is one of our biggest concerns, even as we address Title IX. If you cannot conform to your convictions in the public square, America is not free. I think we need to really cogitate on that and, and take, it, take it in here. And then what are we going to do to save the Constitution, the spirit of the Declaration? What are we going to do to bring us back to our roots? Because I think that's where the answers lie. The first step in an addict turning things around is recognizing there's a problem. And none are more, more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. And that is where we are. We, we, you're right. We are not free. Your thoughts? Final thoughts? Well, I don't, I don't want to reiterate everything you said. I agree with you. I think the, the one thing I'm going to divert from um, with what you said is we have a dominant faith. Mm-hmm. And... We don't have voices for that faith. And my hope is that we, what do you aren't, mean? we aren't just casual believers. Believers are easy. I can say I believe the sun's going to rise tomorrow. I believe I'm going to be healthy one day. Mm-hmm. I believe. <laughs> I can say I believe a lot of things. But we have to stand up. We have to say things. We have to use that voice that we've been given. Mm-hmm. When you feel called to do something, then do it. I mean, you so beautifully expressed in front of Utah, you know, a few weeks ago, your convictions, and I felt the power behind your words. Jason, you have said the worlds were created by words. Our words matter, and we have to stand up. We have to use them because the other day I had somebody on social media say, you know, we should just not have the Bible in schools because then we would have to have, then we can say we're not going to put satanic books in there. Where we don't let light shine, darkness takes over. And so we have to let that goodness shine. Again, we are not the authors of it. So that would be my final thought. I love it. Very powerful. Well, I hope I can be as eloquent as as our wonderful guests. (laughs) This probably is just going to come out like drunk history. So bear with me on but, this. But you know, on, honestly, drunk history is so much better. So much I already better. confused Whitfield and Wise. This is all drunk history. And I might have to go verify that and like clarify one Fact more time. Checkers. Right? Uh, this week I was thinking a lot, especially after you just brought up the Magna Carta earlier, mm-hmm. uh, the foundation of our Constitution, and especially when we're talking about foundations of this country and, and the government. And you know, for our guests, the Magna Carta was it proclaimed... The right, okay. This is why I need glasses, and also it shouldn't be drunk history. Think, you know what? I actually uh, d- might. I d- really? Do you think just another person's glasses are going to help? Yes, anything really? would help at this point. Okay. <laughs> Prescription's different than Let mine. me see oh. you. Let me look at you. All right. Oh, I that's like good. it. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. There we go. Okay. So the Magna Carta <laughs> was written by uh, a group of 13th century barons to protect their rights and property against a tyrannical king. And this is what became eventually the Constitution. Sorry, I don't want to stretch your glasses. And just this week in England, a Magna Carter-style 
Terror Carter. Terror Carter, yeah. Yeah, which Prince Charles is urging businesses to sign the Terror Carter Pledge to put the planet first. The rights of the planet. So now we went from the rights of the people. The rights of the individual. Of the, of the human rights for now the, the religion of, of climate change and how we can take these sacred documents and instead of upholding them and preserving them and revering them, we're instead perverting them. And that's the same thing that's what's happening to the Bible in our schools. It's what's happening in, in everywhere. It's, everything is becoming a perversion of these sacred documents. And I think there needs to be, there needs to be a reverence of these things. It, and it's a great thing that things wound up well in Davis, that we were able to keep the Bible. But where were so many people and churches to yeah. stand up? It's disappointing. Yeah. So... I think if you're not already teaching this to your, to your kids, and, and Alina, amazing job homeschooling your kids and teaching them these, these values. But if we're not, we need to teach our kids these core values because otherwise they're going to be growing up thinking that instead of revering the Constitution and the Magna Carta, they're instead, you know, well, we have the Terra Carta, so we just bow down to the religion of climate change in lieu of what's really sacred. And when you think about it, I know this is not my final thought right now, no, but please. when you think about it, it's it's antithetical to the word of God. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to me that King Charles, who's supposed to be the head of the Church of England, has issued a document, is this how what I'm understanding, that mm-hmm. is antithetical to the very church he's the head of. Mm-hmm. Because well. it says, be fr- fruitful and multiply and take dominion over the earth. And this would actually elevate the earth as dominion upon man. Right. And... You know, I think one of the things about the declaration that's so profound is that it finally, for the first time, puts something above government, which yes. is God. Yes. God above government. Yes. Yes. And I have not read this document. I'm actually probably going to research and do, do some things, but it sounds to me like we've put one more thing above. And the, the order that's set forth in Scripture has functionally... It has... It has been foundational and has functioned successfully and thrived for thousands of years. Who are we? Who are we to think we can do better than God? Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah, this, this is the th- quote that came to mind when you were uh, wrapping up your thoughts. Um, Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Yes. Excuse me. Silence in the face of evil um, is evil is itself evil. There you go. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Mm -hmm. So you think of what's going on here in Utah with the Bible being, you know, banned. uh, And, uh, you know, Utah just pushing so woke. Um, We have a choice to make, to remain silent Mm -hmm. and and thereby allowing the evil to grow or to stand up and speak against it. So I want to thank you, ladies all of you for standing up, for speaking up, for, for and, and that credible speech, mm-hmm. for standing up for this country, for standing up for the word of God. And, um, yeah, we have incredible people here. So thank you for being here. Thank you for, you know, sharing what you both have shared. Um, we do have, live in an incredible state. I mean, we absolutely do. We have so many incredible people here. And uh, I have no doubt uh, we will win. So, anyways, thank you guys for watching. Please like. Uh, please, you know, share and subscribe and, you know, let's, you know, talk to your neighbors. Let's get uh, people paying attention to what's going on here in Utah. So God bless you. God bless America and God bless Utah.